Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. We are living in a culture that is suffering from an identity crisis. Everyone has asked the question, who am I? And what am I here for? Unfortunately, we look for the answer in all the wrong places. And in doing so, we anesthetize ourselves to the truth of who God has created us to be. One of the greatest battles is to believe what God says about us. In order to walk in the freedom that God has for us, we must believe that our identity is in Christ alone. Well, hello, and uh, it is so good to be with you in your home, wherever you are. It's been a while since I've been with you, and uh, we are looking forward to gathering together when that time comes, and the time is coming sooner rather than later. Trust you're doing well. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the last two weeks of Pastor Corey's preaching and teaching. It's been really solid and it's been great stuff. We're going to continue on the series today, uh, and our topic today is from slaves to sons. Slaves to sons. This is a short session, but uh, in college we do a whole subject on this over about 20, 25 hours, which will be available for everybody to do over the course of a few Saturdays in February. If you want to join, check out the website and you can have a look at that. But from slaves to sons, what does that mean? Well, um, let me get my iPad. My iPad has not seen my face for so long because I've been wearing a mask. It can't it doesn't identify me. So I've had a bit of an identity crisis there. So my fingerprints, my fingerprints identify me, reveal my identity, as do yours. My licence, my licence, don't get it close up, my licence shows my identity, it's got a lovely photo of me. My passport, my passport shows my identity, reveals my identity. I was going to scan these, put them up on a PowerPoint so you can see, but then I thought somebody might steal my, use that to steal my identity, is, which is what happens. And apparently one in four Australians have had some sort of identity theft. They haven't lost who they are, but somebody else uses their identity. I'm actually an Australian citizen with the surname Gretschko, which is Russian, but I have pure Russian blood in me. I could easily have been a citizen of Mother Russia had my parents not come here to Australia. I have here a very genuine military Russian hat I smuggled out of Russia. Hello, how you do today? Я сегодня буду преподавать по-русски, а вы не будете понимать. Which means I'm going to preach in Russian and you're not going to understand a word. So I'm going to preach in English so you can understand. I want you to turn to someone around you and say, Hello, how you do today? Hello, how you do? I come from Mother Russia. I not come from Mother Russia. I born here in Australia, but I pretend. This is my, now I've got bad, now I've got hat hair, I'd imagine. So what is identity? I'm an Australian. I could have been Russian. Inside, I'm Russian. Inside, I'm a Christian. What are you? What is your identity? Well, how do we define identity? Well, Pastor Corey's already done some of that already. Let's recap. Identity is the conditional character as to who a person is. The qualities, the features, the beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify one person from another. 
If we were to, Pastor Corey and I were to stand side by side, you could tell the difference because I'm much more handsome. <laughs> Apart from the fact our features are very different. In my dreams, I'm more handsome. When I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Corey. Everything that makes a person who they are is their identity. The New Testament teaches that as Christians, when we become Christians, we get a new identity. It doesn't mean we stop being who we are as people, whether we're male, we're female, Australian, um, uh, Tasmanian, <laughs> or American, or Russian. We're still those people, but in Christ, something significant shifts and changes, transforms, not just on paper, though our names are written in heaven, but that's a significant difference. So we want to know what our identity is and we want to know how to walk in it. I want to read to you from Galatians chapter 7. So open up your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, however you read from Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 to 7. And the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in the church in Galatia who had both a Jewish, some were Jewish in background, some were pagan, were Greco-Roman in background, Greek people, Greek-speaking people. It says, I mean that an heir, and he's carried on from chapter 3, but he says, I mean that an heir, as long as he's a child, meaning an infant, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is such a rich and, and powerful passage of scripture. If our identity is not in Christ, what is it? Or before we became Christians, what was our identity as God saw it? Well, before we trust in Christ... The scripture says we were like slaves. What, what on earth does that mean? In Australia, most of us, or in the Western world, we don't see ourselves as slaves. We don't have slaves. What does that mean that we were slaves? Well, the first half of that passage talked about that. Children in the Greco-Roman world, when they were infants, were treated as slaves in the sense that they had no rights. They were under the tutelage of what they called pedagogues or, a, or a slaves who were educated who used to tutor the oldest son, not the rest of them necessarily, but the oldest son to prepare the oldest son to become the heir and the heir apparent to the estate. They had no rights. They had no freedoms. They couldn't come and go. They couldn't make decisions. They couldn't access their inheritance. Their lives resembled those of the slaves that they had in those days. And the, and the Apostle Paul says to the church in Galatia, he says, before we became Christians, and this then is also true of us, we were like slaves too. That's really powerful. We need to understand what that means. So how did we go from slaves to sons? 
Well, when Christ came into our lives, we became sons. Uh, Sometimes in our uh, Western desire for gender inclusiveness, there are parts in the Bible that mean everybody. Uh, When it talks about brethren, it's talking about brothers and sisters. It's just an old-fashioned word for everybody. This word, sons, we don't want to remove the gender-specific nature of this word because it's a technical word. It's a word that means the oldest son who was to become the heir. So whether you're a man or a woman, boy or girl, today as a Christian, this word refers to you. It refers to all of us. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There was a time that was set by the father back in the Roman days, in the Greco-Roman world, when the heir matured sufficiently where the will could be read and the estate could be passed on to the son, the oldest son. If those families did not have a son, then they would adopt someone from outside their family and he would become part of their family and he would become the heir. This is the nature of this word. And the word adoption of sons is talking about a legal process where someone from outside the family comes in and has the rights of the family and the rights of the one who is going to inherit everything. And back in those days, and Paul is is understanding this, the Christians in uh, the Greco-Roman world in Galatia all understood this. This is why he's speaking plainly and clearly in these terms. So that we become God's sons. Whether we're daughters and sons, we're sons and daughters. You don't become male if you're a daughter. You're still a daughter, but you're a daughter in the sense that you now are like the oldest son who receives the inheritance. And that's the important part in this verse we need to understand. The time for us that we became sons and therefore heirs was the time we received Christ. When We expressed our faith in Jesus and God set forth his spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, 13 to 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, that is when it was preached to you, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That same promised Holy Spirit, the pastor Stacy read out during worship from Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit that Joel prophesied, that the prophets prophesied, that Joel revealed had come on the day of Pentecost. That promised Holy Spirit. When he comes into us, we become sons. And he seals us with the guarantee of our inheritance. So the presence of the Spirit is proof that we are sons and proof that we will receive an inheritance. And he is the down payment. He is the deposit. He is the first part of that. God wants to relate to us as children who are heirs, not as subjects in his kingdom. See, God, we know, is creator of the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And we are his creation. That is true. But God doesn't want to relate to us as his creation. God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're in his kingdom because we're born again. We've inherited the kingdom. We're part of his kingdom. We're subjects of his kingdom. But he doesn't want to relate to us as his subjects. He sent forth his spirit into our hearts to make us sons. 
daughters, children with the full rights of inheritance. And that's the nature of our identity, and that's the nature and the basis of our relationship with him. If you feel God is distant, you relate to God as someone who is distant, I want you to begin to consider yourself as a son or a daughter who is loved and treasured, who's a partaker of the inheritance, and there's no one more important than you in God's kingdom, and then relate to him as father. The word Abba here, that the Spirit causes us to cry out, it's an Aramaic word. There are not a lot of Aramaic words in the New Testament, but this is an Aramaic word. And it's simply a reflection of a little child sitting on daddy's knee, looking up into daddy's eyes, grabbing daddy's face and saying, Daddy, Papa, Daddy, hey, Daddy, can we, Daddy, do you, Daddy, do you want to, Daddy, I love you. It's, it's, a, it's an unencumbered, uncluttered, it's a pure, intimate affection of a child, a daughter, a son, sitting on Daddy's lap with no distance in the relationship, no break in the relationship, no strain in the relationship. You're saying, Daddy. And the spirit of his son has been sent into our hearts to give us that type of relationship with him. As I continue to share, I want you to be meditating on that. Is that your relationship? Because we can be near and dear to him. I know sometimes we're in the busyness of life and when we make mistakes or we sin or we struggle, we, we pull back a little bit because of shame or guilt or other reasons. And that uncluttered intimacy that a child has with daddy or papa, it gets removed a little bit. And I want you to begin to come back to that because that's our identity and we need to learn to walk in it regardless of our circumstances. How do sons and daughters of God actually live? Well, sons live as the heirs that they have been made. We become sons, we live as heirs. We live like the ones who have received the inheritance because in actual fact we have. And Paul says quite clearly to the Christians back then, this is as true for us today. In verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son then an heir through God. What do you mean through God? Through his work in our lives to give us new birth, to give us adoption into his family. If we're sons, he wants us to live as heirs. I wonder how you've been living as a son, a daughter, who is an heir. You see, where there's an heir, there's a will. A will is a legal document that actually is made by the master of the estate, the, the father of the family. And he writes down who's going to be the heir and what they're going to receive. We're going to receive everything that the Father passes on to the Son. All of us. I want to encourage you, after the service, get your concordance out, get your, um, your, Bible, your Bible app, or get onto the internet and go to Bible Gateway, and type in air, or type in inheritance, and do a study on that. Research it. Go through the New Testament, the New Testament reveals to us everything about our inheritance. It's not a book of rules. It's a book of love about our inheritance. It's the last 
will and testament. Why is it called the New Testament? Testament is a will. It's part of the covenant. These are the stipulations of the covenant and the promises of the inheritance that we receive. Read the Bible like that. You'll read it for the first time like you've never read it before. So what is our inheritance? Sonship, daughtership, eternal salvation, the kingdom of God. We've inherited the kingdom of God. Seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God, the promise to Abraham, the Gentiles would, be, would become part of the family of God as well. Everything that the Father will give to Jesus, Jesus will share with us. We are co-heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Why? Well, because we equally share what the oldest son inherits. Jesus was the firstborn son and we have the same rights as Jesus before the Father. Did I say that out loud? This is what the Scriptures teach. He was the first fruit, the firstborn. And those of us who are born again, who have expressed faith in Jesus, are not just subjects in the kingdom, we are inheritors of the kingdom. So as a Christian, now you're a son, live as an heir, not a slave. Well, what if we don't know our identity or we don't understand or believe what our inheritance in Christ actually is? Well, here's an important thing we need to discover. If we don't know we are sons and heirs, I'm talking about if you're a Christian now, but you don't know that you're a son and an heir, even though you are, we are in danger of living like a slave. Listen to what Paul says in verse 3, and I'm going to read verses 8 and 9 of that passage as well. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those that by nature are not gods. Paul's talking about idols, idolatry there. But now you have come to know God. So he's talking about those who were from a Jewish and a pagan background, have come to know God. They used to be enslaved. The Jews were enslaved to the law to find their identity in law rather than seeing the law as their guiding principles, the stipulations of the covenant they made with God. They, they transformed it somehow in their thinking to get their identity out of that, which is not what God intended it for. The, the, Rome, the Greco-Roman Christians now, Greco-Roman background, they worshipped idols. They had a pagan background. And all of them, whether Jews or Gentiles, pagan, free, whatever, they were all enslaved before coming to Christ. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You see, if we come out of the world into Christ, we need to understand our identity in Christ as sons and daughters of God who have received an inheritance and we're to live like heirs. If we don't know that, if we don't understand that, if we don't appreciate that and study that and walk in it, we are in trouble. We are in danger of going back and living according to the elementary principles of the world, which enslave us because they tell us who we are and how to live. Well, what are the elementary principles of the world? This is Greco-Roman history. The elemental spirits of the world or the principles of the world 
refers to a number of different things, and they all come under this category. All of them have been devised and developed by Satan, the evil one, to move us away from knowing God and being known by God as the people that we are in him. So the elemental spirits of the world, the spiritual demonic realm. Secondly, they were seen by the Greco-Roman world in the physical order, the elements of creation, air, water, fire, earth. And then they deified them and worshipped them. That's why they talk about the stars and the planets aligning and can a man change his stars and all of those sorts of things. That's where all of those sayings came from. A belief system in the Greco-Roman world. Heavenly hosts, the stars, the moon, the, star, the, the, the sun, everything out there were deified and worshipped. And in the, even in the Old Testament, God uh, challenged the people never to worship the creation and the starry hosts. And then also the elemental principles of the world are also teachings of the world, traditions, religions, everything that is set up that is not of Christ is elemental principles and spirits of the world. Everything. Every message that you receive that does not come from Christ or is contrary to Christ is elemental spirits in the world and they enslave you. The elemental principles of the spirits of the world have become the guiding powers and principles of this age for perhaps two and a half millennia now. The building blocks from which the cosmos, meaning not the physical world, but this present evil age is composed, which have contributed to perverting and corrupting this present age and the people in it. They're not our worldview, but they are those influences that determine our worldview. So whatever our worldview is outside of Christ, it has been influenced by the elemental spirits of the world. They are regulatory principles of each culture that determine how society works. The laws, religions, traditions, beliefs, cultures, basically everything that contributes to what we believe about ourselves and society, how it would work, who we are and how we live, that are not according to Christ. Aristotle a Greek philosopher in the 4th century before Christ, he identified 20 elemental principles and he articulated them in 10 opposing pairs. One, limited and unlimited, odd and even, oneness and plurality, uh, right and left, male and female, rest and motion, straight and crooked, light and darkness, good and evil, square and oblong. And these became principal, AL, primary or fundamental categories by which every reality could be described, sorted and otherwise ordered, and then developed a hierarchy of these. And this is where categories come from and... and uh, the categories and stages where people are seen in society. Oneness is better than plurality. Right is better than left. Good is better than evil. Light is better than darkness. Male is better than female. We don't believe that. But the Greco-Roman world was full of it. And the female Jewish slave was the bottom person in society. Because you put all the categories together and everybody was in more than one category... It affected them in that way. In Galatians 3, 
We read, neither Greek, there is neither Greek nor Jew, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for all in one in Christ. Paul is saying that in Christ, all those categories that are the elemental spirits of the world have been obliterated. Everybody's equal, everybody's one, everybody's a son, and everybody is an heir. There are no more categories. No one is less than anyone else. And he's saying to them, you've got to change the way you live and the way you think and the way you see yourself because of what Christ has done for us and what the Spirit has done in us. So all these elemental spirits are parts or combined, in part or combined, they make up the rules and values of our society. And think of Australia. Think of Bangkok, think of Thailand, think of wherever you might be all over the world. What are the rules and values of your society, your culture? Each of us is born into that. A society and culture that has long been shaped by these rules and values, by the elemental spirits, we are all born into it. And each one of us is taught from day one or forced to accept, internalise, conform, adapt to all of these rules and values and live by them. And if we don't, we are forced and bullied into it. They are the individual parts that make up the way the world works today, to which one of us, each one of us, must adapt ourselves as we enter into the world. This is slavery that each person is born into. We are born into slavery of the world's system. We are told who we are, we're told how to live. I wonder if some of this is ringing true to you as you look back over your life and the influences over your life. In, um, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he said, Everything, as I said before, every message, every religion, every tradition, whether it's asceticism, Jewish religion, Pagan religion, the gods, the stars, traditions, philosophies, they are all elemental spirits of the world. And we're not to live by any one of them. We're not to receive any of their messages if they are not according to Christ. But if we don't understand that, we can be born again, we can be heirs, we can be sons and daughters, we can be heirs, we can have that inheritance but we might not live in it. And if we don't live in it, we live in slavery. We simply have a choice. We live as slaves or we live as heirs. Scripture says in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, this world system, following the prince of the power, Satan, who created all of this. And he says the prince of the power of the air, one of the four elements that were deified, the realm of where the prince of the power operates, the spirit that now works in the spirit of the sons of disobedience. And in 1 John 5, 4 and 5, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. We have overcome the world. We now need to learn to live in it. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Formerly, when we didn't know God, we were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles? The Christians back then were in danger of being enslaved again because they didn't walk in their inheritance, they didn't walk in their sonship. And we are in the same danger if we don't walk in it as well. So now that we are a son 
now that you are a son, a daughter, live as heirs and not as slaves. Scripture says in, Colossians, in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conformed to this world is this, this encouragement that Paul has given to the Roman Christians about not, let, not to allow the world to squeeze you into its mould. Now that they're Christians, you've got to break out of that, and you do that by changing the way you think. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have to renew our mind according to the Word of God. Well, what does this actually mean for how we live? We have Christ's Spirit within us, the same Spirit that, cre- that hovered over the deep and made creation, same Spirit gives new birth, same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have Him within us. You know, we adapt in any environment to what that environment is. Not just us, but all things adapt to their environment if their environment is stronger than them. For example, if you're going to have steak tonight, you're going to take the steak out of the freezer if it's frozen, you're going to put it on a plate and it's going to thaw. Why does it thaw over a period of time? Because the ambient temperature of your kitchen or wherever it's thawing has more force to reduce the temperature that is in that steak and thaw it out. You put lukewarm water in ice and a little ice tray, put it in the freezer, what's going to happen to that water? It's going to freeze because the power that is in the freezer is stronger than the power that is in the water to remain water. Plants in a garden. You put a plant into a toxic soil, it's going to die. You put a a, a sick plant in a healthy soil, the healthy soil is more powerful than than the power that is in the plant. And it comes to life. If it's, the soil is good, it comes to life. If the soil is bad, it dies. And it is the same with us. If we don't allow the power, and he is greater within us than he that is in the world, to allow us to walk in the inheritance that we have, then we will become enslaved again, needing the validation or the mess- receiving the messages from the world that tell us, who we are and how we live. He's not according to Christ. I remember the season before I joined the team here, I drove a truck uh, delivering steel reinforcements to the major, um, or major building sites all over Melbourne metropolitan area. Tons and tons of steel every day, multiple trips. I actually delivered steel to the Hillsong Church. I helped build the foundations for Hillsong Church. In Scoresby, I delivered reinforcing steel. I helped build their foundations. The building anyway, not the people, not the church. When I left after eight, nine months there, the boss of the company said, you are the best truck driver we have ever had. Now, I don't think he was saying, I'm the best driver of a truck because there were guys who were driving articulated trucks. They're more experienced. They were better. But I didn't allow... The, the environment, which is a lot of swearing and foul-mouthing and cussing and anti-God, and it, was, it, was a, it was a very worldly environment. Good guys, very worldly environment. I didn't allow that environment to affect me because I've got Christ in me and I was filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, driving a truck in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, delivering in the Spirit and treating everybody as Christ wanted me to treat them, talking to people uh, about who he is and talking to them about 
uh, the things of God and things of the kingdom and valuing people. And they thought I was the best truck driver they have ever had. Now, what they saw was that someone who was in me is greater than their environment because their environment did not infect me. I infected their environment. Well, it wasn't me. It was God in me. I can't, I'm not boasting about that. This is how we change culture, by walking as sons and living as heirs. You know, when I was a young pastor, pastoring in St Albans, I went to a pastor's conference once and I met someone for the first time, pastor of a large church, and he said, oh, how many in your church? We've got the names out of the way, we're getting coffee and we're chatting. How many in your church? Oh, 150, 200. Well, we've got, a, you know, we've got hundreds in our church and they come from all over and we do this and we do that. And I felt really bad about myself. My identity was all of a sudden about how many people I was pastoring and he was pastoring more people, he was more important. This is elemental spirits in the church because that's not of God. People have low self-esteem because they've been raised that way, elemental spirits of the world. I once met a 27-year-old guy who was raised up in a Pentecostal Christian family whose father told him he would never amount to anything. He's worthless, useless, would never amount to anything. And when I met him, he believed it. I wonder what you believe about your identity I wonder how you've been living out your identity. So he that is in you is not only greater than he that is in the world, but he that is in you has made you a son or a daughter and you have the right to relate to father as daddy, papa. And Pastor Corey last week talked about the new creation. We are in Christ. We have the full rights and responsibilities of our inheritance we can walk in our inheritance, we have rights, but we also have responsibilities because in that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, our ministry now is to help other people be reconciled to the Father. We, as we were reconciled to the Father through the preaching of the gospel, now our ministry is to reach other people because this is the stuff of the kingdom. If we've inherited the kingdom, we are now stewards of the kingdom. We don't just live in the blessings of the kingdom, we have a responsibility to advance the kingdom. Why? Because we are heirs of the kingdom. We have inherited the kingdom. Like the young man becomes a man, receives the father's estate. He's got to look after the estate and build the estate because he's got to provide for the rest of the family. So I wonder how you are thinking about yourself. How do you see yourself? How do you see your identity? Well, I want to pray with you today. I pray that the word of God has spoken to you. I pray that your heart has been encouraged. And I pray that if there's been enslavement in your life, you can bring adjustment and alignment by digging into the Scriptures and realising that you're a son and daughter with the full rights of inheritance, with responsibilities, someone who's dearly loved by God. So let's pray. Allow God to minister to you and then we're going to worship again. And then I'm going to come and provide an opportunity for Anybody who has not received Christ to receive him for the first time. So I want you to reach out to the Father right now. Picture him however you can. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We give you thanks that you've made us sons through Christ. Help us to live as heirs because you've made us sons. If we have self-esteem issues self-image issues identity issues whether we're pastors, elders, leaders in the church mums, dads 
school children, I pray that all of us would find our identity in you and walk in that. Not in the media, not in Facebook, not by our peers, not what they say we are. That we're not accepted by their rules, their values. We're not accepted by the world, what the world says, whether we're successful or unsuccessful in terms of uh, business or status or physical appearance or sporting prowess. We are everything because we have Christ. We're your sons and we're your daughters. We're in Christ and we're new creations. We've been made something different to what we were before. The old has passed away. The old man's gone. Our humanity and the sins and the punishments that came because of our humanity have been done away with. And now we are in Christ. We're sons and daughters. And we're heirs of everything you have, Father, because Jesus is sharing with us. Some of it's for now. Some of it's for later. I pray by your Spirit and according to your Word, you help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's open our hearts. Let's meditate on this message. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.